Hey, hey, welcome to the First Gen Realness Podcast. My name is Ananjay Conte, and I'm super thrilled you're here lending me your ears and joining in on this really important conversation. We're here to discuss all things related to the American experience, education, money, business, navigating cultures, and really just living between two worlds while eating really awesome food. We'll chat about what it means to be first-generation Americans and why it's so important to share our stories and build I hope that you'll leave this podcast feeling less alone, more connected, and holding your head just a little bit higher. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Uh, Welcome to this episode of the First Gen Realness Podcast. I actually can't believe this is the 10th episode, which I'm super excited about. Um, Here we are. So today I have a lovely guest here with me. Her name is Brittany Chavez. So Brittany is the founder and CEO of Shop Latinx. It's a marketplace to showcase Latinx creators, artists, um, and like goods. So I first came across Brittany on Instagram and I'm really excited to have her here to talk about her brand and her story. So Brittany, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Anna, so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and to be in conversation with you. I'm really excited. So why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about you, where you're from, where'd you grow up, um, about your family? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Los Angeles. Um, My parents actually met, I am living in the same apartment complex in Koreatown. They were both teenagers. My mom was, I think, like 14. My dad was 16. And then a few years later, my mom birthed me. Uh, My mom comes from uh, Guatemala. I mean, she was born in L.A., um, mom came from Guatemala and then my dad is Nicaragüense and yeah, his mom immigrated here as well. So they're both, you know, um, parent, uh, children of, of single, of single mothers, um, that have hustled greatly to, you know, pr- provide for their kids and like future generations. Um, so yeah, that's, that's me, you know, born in LA, raised in the San Fernando Valley, um, pretty diverse, uh, neighborhood and yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool. So, um, can you talk to us a little bit about like how you were raised to think about your identity and like your, and like what your connection was with your culture? Like how, what did your parents talk to you about? Like, you know, my parents were very, uh, they both speak English, you know, English is their first language. Um, uh, you, you know, the identity is something that I still kind of, sh- I wouldn't say struggle with because I'm definitely more proud of my Latina identity. But um, growing up, you know, I, I would say that granted, the Valley was pretty diverse. I was mostly, you know, most of my friends were, were Black and Jewish. So um, my background wasn't really a thing. I just remember like there was one time, um, you know, my, my little like Jewish homegirl was so excited to like take me back to her house in Encino to show me that like her housekeeper was Guatemalan and oh. it just kind of like, made me feel- <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 
it was kind of weird. Um, yeah, that is so weird. That is so weird. Like, look, we're nice to her. She's like you. Yeah, she's like, look at Magda. And there she was just like sitting, like eating, watching TV, like in the, you know what I mean? Like unbothered. She's like, you know, it was just kind of weird. Um, you know, I, I think on my mom's side, there was a need for, you know, that they felt like assimilation was a form of survival for them, you know? Mm -hmm. um, my dad's really interesting because he has more of a, like an Afro indigenous background. I, I don't okay. know to him to like make him have this kind of like self-hatred. Um, so that, that was, that was like really interesting. You know, I will say as I got older and I would actually got to experience how life was for my grandparents and my extended family back in their home countries, it did give me a newfound appreciation. And this was in 2016. And that's what really helped me jumpstart my mission with Shop Latinx. Um, I, I would say, you know, prior to that and growing up, I was, I was, I was pretty embarrassed, you know, like my, my grandma, my grandma and my mom were, were mainly the people who raised me and my grandma was a housekeeper, you know, she would pick me up and I was just embarrassed. Like it, it sucks to like say, looking back, I'm like, uh, like I hated the fact that like my grandma would pick me up, you know, but also too, I feel like maybe you feel the same way as like, uh, you know, I, I would get picked up from school and then I'd go home and I'd eat like beans and rice and like, yes. you know, my grandma was talking in <laughs> Spanish, I would respond in English. So it was very much of that um, ambicultural experience that led to somewhat a, a bit of confusion growing up. Um, totally. That I'm still navigating through, but now, but I'm, I'm learning to embrace it and as like a superpower, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so funny you say that because I... I think we all have that like tortured relationship um, a bit, right? Like, I, and I think, you know, I also grew up in a multicultural um, place. I grew up in New York City. So, you know, that's about as multicultural as it gets. And also being, um, being a mixed kid, I think that really, um, that really exacerbates it. But, you know, this, I think you go through when you grow up in that kind of diverse environment, you go through this period where like you're just trying to be you as it should be. Right. Like you should just go through it and 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 find your friends, whoever you like and whoever's cool, like that should be it. But I think that there is this time, too, where like you have to make a conscious choice. And it's usually I find it's usually sparked by something. Um, a con You make a conscious choice to like step into your identity more. Right. So, you know, in my own personal experience. Um, so my dad, my mom's Puerto Rican and my dad's from Gambia. And um, I have two older sisters that are like much older than me. Um, and so when I went to college, um, my first two years, I lived with my older sister, who's my half sister on my dad's side. And that was the moment up until then I was just like, I'm black and Puerto Rican. Like, that's basically it. Like, I didn't really not to say I didn't have pride in that culture, but I didn't focus on it so much because there weren't other kids that were as much like me. Um, and then, like I said, I was just kind of focusing on on fitting in. But 
the interesting thing I think was like, that was a, a moment for me where I really was like, I love my, I grew to really love my culture in a more deep way. And I took a couple trips back there during that time period too. And it was like a light bulb went off and I really stepped into it. Um, and I, I think that's a common thread I see a lot. Um, and I'd like to kind of talk back, go back to that. Cause I want to ask you a lot of questions about your business too. Um, but can you talk to me about like that? You said in 2016, you made a trip back, um, with your family. Can you, can you tell us like what that looked like and what in particular was like, what sparked you to start your, start your business? Yeah. So I think a lot of things happened in 2016, both personally and both, you know, globally. Yes. Right. Um, <laughs> Girl, that was a year we all went through it. We're still going through it <laughs> for real. So, you know, 2016, there's this, all of this like anti, you know, Latino immigration rhetoric yes. that's being spewed mm-hmm. on top of that. There's, you know, police lynching or lynchings initiated by police, you know, have never stopped, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. But I did foster a lot of online relationships with amazing women of color, um, you know, Black women, Latinas, Indigenous, you know, um, and we just fostered this, like, online community. And within that, I started, you know, I, I discovered We Buy Black. I discovered Blavity. You know, I discovered people mm-hmm, that- mm-hmm like all these amazing sites and all these amazing listicles that showcased beautiful black creators, you know, and these were, these were sites and these were, these were platforms that like, I, I was so excited to support. Um, and I'm like, what's up with like the Latinos? I guess when I say Latinos, I mean like the, the, the non-black like POC, you know, like, mm-hmm, uh, yeah. like yeah. Latino like, well, what's up with that side? And I, I found no marketplace or platform that really amplified the voices within Latinidad and really showcased these creators. I took inspiration from the platforms that I came across and I decided to make an Instagram that really highlighted who these people were, where they came from, the products that they showcased, and that quickly grew. And I quickly began to get a lot of support from people within my community, from outside of the community, because it was a very grassroots mission. You know, when you go back to your, to your, to where your family came from, you know, um, just the same thing, like what you said, Anna, about like going back to Gambia or Puerto Rico, you know, it's just like you, you, you have this like newfound appreciation from, for culture and for uh, a livelihood that you never really, appreciated before um so that that just really inspired me and really just put fire in my ass to work harder you know like I have family in Guatemala that like I didn't like you know you hear from your family that it's that the struggle in their country is bad but then it's like oh shit I didn't know this is very eye-opening <laughs> you know like yeah yeah. It's one thing to hear it and it's one, it's a totally different thing to see it and to experience it. Yeah. Like waking, you know, lights out at 8 PM because, and you have to lock the doors because like da- danger, you know? And like, I've never had to experience that. I mean, until recently, but I never experienced that before, you know, even in Guatemala, I mean, Nicaragua, my dad and his mom lived in like a, in like a slum outside of Managua. And 
you know, it's definitely the, the concrete floors, tin roof, like lifestyle. And it just, you know, being a product of like, if had my grandma never crossed the border, like I would be in that position too, you know? And then it's like, damn, like that woman really did that shit. <laughs> you know, like she really- Yes, she did. And she's a queen for it. I mean, honestly, I, I, I feel like the people that make that choice, especially, I mean, I, I guess there's part of it that like, you know, they're, if they have nothing to lose, like it, can it get worse than this? Probably not. Right. But at the same time, like to make that choice to leave everything and everybody and like make this perilous journey and, um, like leave everything behind just to start from scratch. Like that is just, that is just crazy. And like, so inspiring. Like, you know, those people are Queens, you know what I mean? Like, yes. Every yes, they are the heroes, you know, like that's what really gave me the drive to work on Shop Latin X. And also too, like during that time, you know, I don't come from a conventional, like super educational background, you know? Um, I mean, I, granted I did go to college and I'm, I'm pretty privileged to, to have a, a good ed- education, but like I, it, it wasn't like, you know, you know, I, I got kicked out cause I had a low GPA. I've always been like a C student, but I do have like the street smarts and like the empathy and that again, like cultural nuance to really bring people together. And yeah, I'm just happy to know that like Shop X over the last four years has grown thanks to the support of like, you know, my community, my allies. It's like a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. No, that is so amazing. And I mean, I want to actually touch base on um, on two things. Like one, I want to talk about you. You And I wrote this verbatim because I thought you said it so beautifully. What, the wide spectrum of Latinidad. Because I actually had a conversation. I recorded another podcast episode with somebody who is a Latina that works on representation in media, specifically like TV and film. And she and I were talking about like, because the thing is like you... you Latinos in the US are like lumped into this huge like monolith, right? Like we're all the same, but like and and we obviously have a lot of similarities mainly linguistic, right? Um but there's so much diversity there. So can you talk about like how you address that on your platform or like how you showcase that on your platform and how much of a challenge is that for you or is it like a challenge because it's there's so much to do, which is what I'm assuming. You know, there's, for one, there's so much to do. There's so much to learn. You know what I mean? Um, I'm so thankful for the people that have done the the work and like the labor to help me grow, you know, in this space. Um, you know, when you're a leader in your community, you have to be very mindful of, of inclusivity right because it's like if you don't then like who are you really doing it for you know i have this privilege of being this like very ambiguous you know looking latina and i understand you know and you know i could even say that i didn't really know about afro latinidad until 2016 you know when um you know, I grew up, I grew up in LA, so I just thought it was like Mexicans, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, totally. I, I like there's a lot of like, Me- you know, even Central American erasure out in LA. 
I, I didn't really grow up with Mexican people just cause like, I don't, I don't even think they looked at me as like one of it's, it's just weird, you know, but I definitely make sure to, you know, like I'm shop Latinx is not a platform for Mexicans in LA. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah I got you. <laughs> and so like, with that being said, it's like making sure like, you know, in our, in our second largest demographic is, is New York. And it's like, who's in New York? It's Dominicans, it's Puerto Ricans, it's Caribbeans. You know what I mean? It's, it's beautiful black men, women, non-binary people that deserve to be, have that representation too. Same thing with like indigenous folks, right? So to me, it's really important to amplify those voices, to showcase their products in our marketplace. You know, prior to the launch of the marketplace, we also did like articles, right? On like, uh, you know, Afro-Latinos to, to support um, and, you know, and yeah, queer brands to, uh, you know, 15 queer brands that you could, that you can uh, buy products from. Like to me, that's really important, right? Like even Asian Latinos, like I, I found out those- Yes. That population, exists as well so um you know i'm constantly learning constantly growing and making sure that like i show up for for people within this space you know um with that comes learning and um I, you know and when you're a leader you just have to set an example right um so that that's how I try to show up for my community as best I can and and doing it in a way that's that's authentic, you know, and like purposeful is is my mission as well. Cause I can even tell you, like it's yeah, that monolithic like Latinx experience, like that shit doesn't exist anymore. You know, like we all come from different backgrounds in like it's just we're so rich in culture so it's like latinx media is doing themselves a disservice when they keep playing on the same narratives over and over and over again when like we have so many amazing stories you know totally totally and i i really admire that about you because i think and and i don't think that you are um alone in that you know for me I grew up around a bunch of Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. And like, that was really the extent of what I knew about Latino food or culture. And maybe like whatever I gleaned from watching novelas with my grandma, like that was, that was the extent of knowing anything beyond that. And so, you know, it was only until I like got to college, actually it was probably high school and college when I met a lot of Central Americans um, as more Central Americans started to move into my neighborhood. It was predominantly like just Puerto Ricans and Dominicans when I was growing up. Um, and then a lot of Salvadoreños moved into the neighborhood. And then I started to get familiar with pupusas and all this kind of other stuff and like how they like bachata too. And I was like, you guys like bachata? And so like, it was all just, um, um, it was really eye opening, but I don't think it's it's unusual. And I think it's mostly like 
you know, I think once like your identity before your, your, like your family history and your lineage before you step off the boat is a totally proverbial boat. Nobody's getting off boats anymore, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Before you get off the airplane is different than once you are here, right? Like once you're here, you are Latino. And frankly, like for most non-Latinos, like you're Mexican and that's it. Like, Um, like that's it. And I think for the longest, you know, I, I have been really heartened like lately. And I mean, super lately in like the last year that there's a lot more representation in Latino media and, um, you know, in, in, in everywhere, like music and everything. But I have to say, it really doesn't look that much different than when I was growing up, you know, it's, it, we talk a lot of game about as a, as a group, I think about caring about indigenous voices and like uh, Afro-Latino voices and all of that. But I, I haven't seen as much gains as I want. I'm going to keep beating the drum about it because I think it's so important and it's important to have people like you, like even if you are an quote unquote ambiguous Latina, you know, you are still like out there saying, no, this is important. And it's, and it's a really big deal. So I commend you for that. Oh, thank you. And yeah, I mean, anything that we could do to support, you know, like we're here. Um, and also like, you know, as, as we, as we get older, like even you recently discovering like the Central American, you know, Central Americans, it's like, you don't know where you, what you don't know, but also too, it's like our, it's our responsibility now to know, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, exactly, exactly. Like you can't, you know, it, with, with the age of technology, with, with, with with google like it it is our responsibility as leaders to know like who we're representing like who who we need to include you know who who the leaders are in these communities so that we can help amplify their work you know that's just really important and doing it in a way that's um non-performative you know oh that is my favorite word lately (laughs) Like, I don't want lip service. I want action. Like, it's great that you say this. I want you to f- follow it up with something substantive. Goodness. Right. Like, look, who is who is on the C-suite? Like, who are you hiring? Like, making, you know, have you done your, like, DNI training? You know, I mean, these are things that I'm, I guess, like, now that I am have my, my little staff, like, you know, these, these things are important to me, you know, and I, it needs to be important for everyone you know, Latinos in media too, because, you know, I, I just, I, you know, I, there's definitely times where like, uh, you know, you see a post on like an Instagram account and it's like, you look at their, you know, on a Latina Instagram account and then you look at their staff and it's like nothing like the people that they say that they they represent or they care about. Um, so change starts, you know, w- when it comes to companies, like change starts from within, like what, you know, an Instagram post is pretty and it, it can get reshared, but like, what are you doing as a, as a person and, and as a company to really take action and invest into, into those communities that like, um, uh, you know, white Latinos have, have largely overlooked and oppressed, you know, so. Yes, overlooked, oppressed, ignored. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's been, I have to say, like, I just actually recorded a podcast episode the other day um, talking about the, the internalized, like, mental colonization that we all have to whereas like people that are as dark as me are talking about they're from Spain. (laughs) You, you have, you are confused. Um, anyway, (laughs) we have some work to do. Um, anyway, so can you talk about like, what are some unique challenges you face beyond that? Like, is there anything that you feel like is unique to your experience as a Latina business owner um, that that might be helpful for, for people to think about? Yeah, I think, um, you know, and this is going to get me a little emotional just because like I'm, I'm currently dealing with this now. Um, like navigating whiteness is is something that um (laughs) is is new to me right i've since starting shop at the next you know i haven't i haven't really needed white people for shit like it's always my my brown my black my asian my people of color that have that have shown up for me and that's really all I needed right um and there's you know I've always found strength in like my ability to speak unapologetically and boldly and you know so now with like the evolution of my business and now that it's just not like an Instagram platform anymore and we are a company that needs funding in order to scale, you know, and I do talk boldly on Twitter about like the injustices I see. It is, uh, it's disheartening to hear white, white people tell me in a way. And it's like, I know what you're trying to do, (laughs) you know, it's like uh, to tell me to just, shut up just a little bit you know what i mean like do we really need to talk about these things now um so that's been that's been um that's been difficult you know but um I, I empathize with you a lot. I mean, you know, so I, I obviously do this podcast um, because it's something that's very, I, I feel very passionate about. Um, but I also, you know, I work in finance professionally, so I own my own business in this space. And, you know, having worked in this industry for like close to 10 years, and I started my own firm last year because of that exact reason. Like I, I don't want to tone down. I don't want to be quiet. I'm not somebody that, <laughs> that is very good at hiding how they feel and making myself palatable. Like I am just not here for that. Um, and you know, once you, and it's really hard to, um, bring an unapologetic brand to a bunch of white dudes in suits and um, for them to take you seriously and not try to tell you to be quiet and, um, you know, conform to whatever idea they have about your you and your business and what that's supposed to look and feel and sound like. Um, 
it's it's really really hard and i i i can i i already know i i'm i'm sure we could spend hours talking about all the nonsense that you've had to deal with with that but i based on my own personal experiences i can only imagine um i mean I you can, know what I, can, I feel like and i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but i'm like this is you know this is something that I, so then every job i've had and there haven't been many you know like I haven't really had like a large corporate background. And when I have, it's mostly been um, with, you know, uh, like my last job, I was working at Interscope Records in the urban department. So it was all of us were like black and brown, you know, Um, we were definitely ostracized from the other departments, but from within, like, it was really cool. And like, all of us talked like how we talked like, and like dressed how whatever, like however we wanted. So I've never had to be, and that word has been used, uh, actually yesterday, someone suggested that I'd be more pal- palatable. Um, so. Let me, so excuse like, me while I go vomit somewhere. <laughs> right. But I, you know what? And I think for me, it's like, you know, I, I, I got kind of offended. And then after that, I'm like, you know what? Fuck that. Like, I don't want you on my team anyway. Like, you know what I mean? Like for me, it's like, I see so much value and potential and greatness with my company that like, I don't fucking, you know what I mean? Like it's it's an honor for you to even be, um, to even for me to even think about you wanting to invest in my company. You know what I mean? Like flip, flip this around, you know what I mean? Like I hold the power. And like, you should be grateful that I'm even looking in your direction, honestly. You know what I mean? Like, girl, I am so here for that energy. I am here for it because that's the thing. It's like, we have to get away from this um, idea that like, we have to beg for crumbs and we have to bend ourselves into a pretzel just to like, like, have somebody even be nice to us and like consider us like I am just not here for that because I think that's part of the problem and you know I talked to somebody else um um a couple months ago and she was telling me like you know she did a a whole book about kind of some of the trends that she sees in terms of like people's finances based on their culture right And one of the things that she said with Latinas in particular, like the overwhelming thread that she saw was that they're kind of taught to be, um, you know, not rock the boat too much. Don't ask for too much. Like, like, take it easy. You know, don't be demanding. And I feel like that, you know, they they have that saying, calladita de vez más bonita. Like, I don't know how many times I heard that growing up, probably twice a day, Um, because that's just that's just like something that's ingrained culturally. But I think that when we do that is when we end up like with with all kinds of problems and all kinds of drama and all kinds of bad situations that we don't want because we're not using our voice and standing up for what we know is right and what we know we deserve. More importantly, like you deserve to have an investor that is not going to try and make you into something you're not and believes in you and has that vision. And I think, you know, no matter what, like people are going to have their opinions, but there's a difference between I'm going to give you my feedback versus like, I am just going to tell you you're wrong and you have to do something different because I think that I know more than you. Okay. Um, diatribe over, but (laughs) 
<laughs> um, I am just, I am on fire with this lately. I think given the current situation in, in the country, I am like, I am just, I am, I am loud mouth and I don't mind it. Um, as, as but we all should be, you know, I, I'm just so, I, it just makes me sad seeing like, you know, Latinas, we operate on this, like, I'm just so grateful to be here. You know, I'm just so humble. Like, you know, like, oh, no, I'll take the scraps because, like, I'm just happy that you saw me and you let me in the room. Like, fuck that shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, like, I'm the sauce. You know what I mean? Like, you need me. Like, I bring the flavor to all this fucking everything. So, you know, I'm just so happy to hear, like, a fellow Latina and, like, just you saying that because there needs to be, like, more of that, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I am not here for it. And I think, you know, I mean, you know how it goes. Like, I had um, I had a whole lot of interactions at my last job before I started this firm, and it was a whole lot of, like, hello, do you see all that I'm bringing to the table? Like, why are we even having this conversation about why you need to pay me more or give me a promotion or whatever? If you're not going to like appreciate the greatness, then I'm out. Like I'm out and I will go do this on my own because at least, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it for myself. And honestly too, like I will like shout out to all the, the black woman in the brown woman, uh, you know, brown woman in these spaces, in these corporate spaces doing that work because I can only imagine how emotionally taxing that is. Like I'm, I have the privilege to just experience, to be experiencing that that now 29 years into my life you know but like imagine these people that are trying to like knock down these doors and and demanding you know or these glass ceilings and demanding a seat on a table like that is strenuous you know like that that is emotionally taxing so like thank you so much Anna because I know that there's you know women like you are the ones that are trying to break down these barriers and bring women like us in you know what I mean yeah and yeah you know, I feel like sometimes we, we don't give women in these spaces enough credit. You know, it's always like, oh, corporate, like, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, bro. Like, without them, like, we wouldn't be having the, the but, you know, there wouldn't be a budget for creators like us to get funded. Exactly. Um, exactly. Absolutely. Okay. So can I ask you... I like to um, close off my interviews by asking this question. And this is probably, <laughs> I don't know if this is the best time um, for this, but, um, you know, what does being American mean to you? I would love to associate being American with freedom. You know, like that is the ideal. You know, I would like to associate it with like, like freedom and harmony and love, <clears throat> justice, you know what I mean? Like every, everything that we are taught to, everything that we've been trained to think about this country, I wish it were the ideal, but it's not. Um, so it's up to us as Americans to make that change. And that is something that I know I'm willing to fight for, whether it be via donation or protesting or, you know, building, building 
a company and, and hiring people that come from the underrepresented communities that that are similar to the one that I grew up in, you know. I think what being an American is 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 to be willing to fight for justice for everyone who lives in the Americas. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I really feel that, and you know, I think all like all of these things, all of this stuff that we have going on with the protests and the Black Lives Matter movement, and all of this just. I mean, you could go on for days. Ice detention, like all of it is just so overwhelming in all of its awfulness. But I I feel like, you know, the more people are willing to stand up and use your voice as you are and to even say, okay, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do 10 steps from now. But like, this is the step I'm going to take now. And I hope that it's too further to get us towards that ideal. And like, I'll be honest, you know, for a while I was like, man, America and I are just not, we just not going to get along. We, <laughs> Especially after 2016, I was like, nope, I'm out of here. I'm going to go move somewhere overseas. Like, I am not doing this. I cannot be associated with this place. Like, I'm just done. Um, but I, I quickly realized, though, that like then these awful human beings and all of this awful systematic oppression and terrible things are just going to continue because if it's people like me that have their eyes open and are willing to learn and see, don't do anything, then it's just going to continue and get worse. You know, I, I, I totally a hundred percent agree with you. Right. It's like, but at the same time, I, I respect both viewpoints. Right. Is like, you know, your, your time on this earth is so limited and like, you just want to fucking rest. And that is so valid. You just want to go somewhere and experience paradise for once and just sleep. And to me, that is also an act of resistance, you know, but also, you know, and, and there's, I feel like there's no right and wrong or wrong answer here for, for people of color, black people, especially like, do what you need to do to make sure like your spirit is good. Cause yeah, I don't want to get into this whole, like, I don't want to sound crazy, but this is also an attack on spirit, right. On a collective spirit in, in, in order for us to continue fighting the good fight, like we need to take care of ourselves. You know, we can only extend ourselves so much. Um, you know, I think for me, what I do it for, you know, my brothers, I do it for the children, you know, like I do it for, like, for me, I'm like, I'm 29. Like I've lived a great life. I didn't have to grow up in a childhood of wearing masks. You know, I, I grew up in a very, in a very, you know, granted it might've been hard for my mom to, to hold it down, but I never, I didn't feel that, you know? And now it's like this, this is, this is over for, for many people. And the kids especially and I, I just I just want to make sure I, I do my part you know but also recognizing that you can't you can't help everyone you know and you can't feel guilty for for giving yourself for resting and for loving amidst the chaos Totally. And I think loving amidst the chaos is like our loving ourselves and loving others. I'm totally woo woo. So I'm happy to, to go on there. But I think that that's like, that is um, like, that's where we all need to be headed. 
because I think when we think that we're separate from other people and when we think that, you know, we get caught up in this like worldly stuff that we forget what's what really matters and what's really important. And um, and that is like our keeping our spirit clean and clear and, and with good intentions um, and giving it what it needs, you know. So last question, what little advice, what advice do you have for little Brittany? When I think of her, I'm like, she's so freaking cute and like adorable, but she went through a lot, you know, growing up with two parents that have suffered a lot. And like, if you were 17, like, would you know how to raise a kid? You know, like I couldn't even, I couldn't even imagine, but my mom did it and granted it wasn't perfect. Granted, it left me with some trauma, but um, what I would tell her is you're going to be great. You're going to do so many amazing things and you're going to make a dent and an an impact on a lot of people's lives. Like I would hug her and I would kiss her and I would cuddle with her and I would just let her know like you're going to be good and all the little things you dreamt of, you know, being, being an actress and being, you know, like all the Oprah show, like I used to be obsessed with Oprah and like, I'd go home, my grandma would pick me up. I'd watch Oprah at three and like eat my beans and rice and like listen to her and like Lisa Ling. And I wanted to be like a broadcast journalist and, you know, like I, I'm doing it. I, I, I'm doing that and I'm putting my, my Britney spin on it, you know? And it's like, damn, only if she knew, you know, like I, I, I would be so excited to like talk to her and just let her know, especially in those times of, of depression, like little, little Brit, like we're good. Like it's, it might not be perfect, but like, you're going to live a super dope life. And I already know like 40 year old Britney, like, like, I can't wait, right? It's like, we're, we're putting in the work now. Like, I can't wait till I'm 40, 50, you know what I mean? Like, just living it up, like, drinking wine in Italy, you know, like, getting my fucking toes rubbed. Like, I'm gonna, like, I'm, I'm you know what I mean? With my family, with my homegirls, like, life is what you make it, you know? And if you say it's, it's beautiful, then it is. Like, you, you are in control of your, you're in control of your own narrative, And I know that like, I'm going to have an amazing, fulfilling life. And I would love to tell little Brittany that and just remind her of like her greatness. Oh my God. I love that so much. I love that. And I think, you know, we all have those moments where like, we look back on the struggles and the down moments and, you know, all of those times where you weren't sure how things were going to turn out and you're like, wow if only I knew, right? Like I wouldn't have spent so much time stressing and tripping about it because like, look how it turned out in the end, you know? Oh, a hundred percent. You know, it's, it's so funny how like God works, you know, it's like you think you're in control and you think that like things are go to shit when you don't get your way or if it's not the way you imagined. And like, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer and like, I, you know, I'm protected and so are you, you know, like we all are, and it's like when you when you have that like unwavering faith, like you just know things are gonna be good, you know? And and that's what keeps me sane now is and that's what keeps me feeling less anxious is like 
every move I make is the right move, whether it's something that I need to learn from, you know, or something that's going to help me grow. Um, there's no such thing as like a setback. Um, so when you operate with that mindset in that abundance mindset and have an open heart, like and and believe in a higher power, like what, what is there to stop you? There's like nothing. Exactly. Like, why are you tripping? Exactly. (laughs) Why are you tripping? (laughs) Um, that's awesome. So this is so great, Brittany. Thank you so much. Um, where can people find you if they want to follow you? Like, what are your socials? What's your website? Tell them. Yes. Yeah, so you can follow me at Shop Latinx. Um, check out shoplatinx.com. We have so many amazing products ranging from, you know, candles to apparel to scrubs, you know, just uh, that, you know, we're really embracing that lifestyle. Um, and you can follow me on my personal account on Instagram. It's Chavez Brit on Twitter. It's Brit Chavez. I'm just trying to confuse people. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, all right. All right. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Anyway, thank you so much, Brittany. This is so awesome. Oh my gosh. You have a thank good you day. so much for having me. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening to the First Gen Realness Podcast. I hope you've left here feeling more sure of your Americanness, feeling a sense of community with Christian kids and holding your head high. I see you and I feel you. Until next time.